Amen. Well, if you would take your Bible at this time and uh, turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And uh, as you're turning there, if you would, uh, if you're able to, uh, join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read a, a, a little bit lengthy of a passage, uh, different than what we normally do on a Sunday night, because we've been kind of going just a little bit at a time. Uh, it's hard to believe we started this uh, quite a few months ago, uh, but uh, I, I do think today's going to be the last, uh, last message in this series. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verse number 32 and uh, read through the rest of the chapter here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, you would use it tonight in our lives to help us to be uh, faithful. Help us, Lord, to uh, learn what you'd have for us tonight and apply it to our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So it's been quite a journey as we've walked through Hebrews chapter 11. And again, just to remind us of why we did this, our theme for this year is taken from Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, where we're called to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But the writer of Hebrews in verse number 1 of chapter 12 reminds us that there is so great a cloud of witnesses that is there uh, witnessing what we're going through and cheering us on. And, and, uh, and then, you know, it's, we, we, we decided that we're going to take a look at who is in the, this grandstand of uh, witnesses. And it was a reference to the Old Testament saints mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11. And so we've walked through this. We've looked at uh, Abel. Uh, we've talked about Enoch. We spent a message learning about Noah and Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Uh, we spent quite a bit of time looking at Moses. Uh, we talked about Joshua and how he uh, led the nation of Israel through the River Jordan and into uh, Jericho and how the walls of Jericho came uh, tumbling down uh, because of the faith of, of the people there. They were willing to simply do what God said to do, even though it was not easy, even though it didn't make any sense. And we talked about how God's will is like that. Then last time, 
A couple weeks ago, we looked at Rahab, who was a trophy of grace. We saw her reputation. She didn't have the best reputation. Her past wasn't exactly uh, something that you would want to have on your resume, uh, but uh, the Lord still used her in a great way. Then we saw her uh, redemption through Christ, and we, we talked about that scarlet thread that runs throughout the entire Bible. And then we saw her reward. She got to be the great-great-grandmother of King David and ended up being mentioned in the lineage of Christ and how she was a trophy of grace and really how she's a picture of all of us. Uh, we needed uh, grace as well, and, and uh, I hope that all of us are trophies of grace. Now today we come to the conclusion of the chapter of, uh, of Hebrews 11, and and in this passage, we, uh, we come to a list of veterans of faith, and that's the title of the message tonight, Veterans of Faith. And today is Veterans Day. Well, we're celebrating Veterans Day. Thursday is actually Veterans Day. Uh, but uh, we're remembering our veterans and thanking them for their faithful service to our country to pr- protect and, and uh, provide freedom for our country. But, uh, but here in this passage, we uh, come to a list of veterans of faith those who faithfully served well their commander-in-chief. And I'm not talking about the President of the United States. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus himself, uh, a higher commander-in-chief. Now tonight, as we look at these men who were highlighted for their bravery, for their courage and faithfulness, may my prayer is that we would be inspired and that we would be compelled to also then to live by faith in our day and faithfully run the race that is set before us and endeavor to Uh, please the Lord who has called us to be soldiers. Uh, Hopefully that will happen as a result of this message. That's my prayer anyway. So let's uh, go and break down this passage a little bit. First, let's look at, number one, the reality of these veterans. Let's look at the reality of these veterans. Verse 32, uh, what shall I more say, the writer of Hebrews says. In other words, he kind of looks at the clock as as a preacher maybe and uh, would do and say, you know what, I need to wrap this up. I don't really have time to go into a, a full uh, verse or two on each of these men, though he could, I'm sure. Um, he said, what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. And he kind of lists these men, and, and he, he blasts through a list of six different names and then covers all the prophets in one fell swoop by simply mentioning at the end of verse 32, and of the prophets. So he, he lists six different names, and then he says, oh, by the way, I could probably spend some time talking about the prophets. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Ezekiel, some of these men who uh, did great mighty things as well, but their names aren't actually listed here in this particular chapter. But uh, uh, verse 32, he, he goes through these six different names, and And uh, a deeper look into these six men he mentions tells us, of course, more about them. Yeah, they're mentioned here for their lives of faith, but but each one of them, the reality is, they were as human as they come, each one of these men. Uh, Let's look at the first one here, and I'm not going to go and do a full sermon on each one of these men, though I could. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to mention them and and, and mention a few things about them, and then we'll move on. But, But Gideon... Uh, he's known, of course, for defeating the Midianite army of 135,000 men with only himself and 300 men. So it was 301 to 135,000, not very good odds. And yet the Lord wrought a great victory there. And, uh, but 
while he did that, he was also a man who loved many women and had many wives. Not the best example. He also made a golden ephod weighing 43 pounds of pure gold, which I did a little math on it yesterday, and that in our day and age, with the price of gold as it is, would be worth about $1.25 million. Um, he, he made this golden ephod, and uh, Israel ended up worshiping this instead of God, and the Bible says that it was a snare unto Gideon. So, yes, Gideon, he's, he's most known for the, the good things, but let's be honest, he was not Mr. Perfect either. Then we come to uh, the next one here in verse number 32. He says, The time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, uh, not to be confused with Barak or Barak, okay? If you're thinking, oh, the president uh, is in here. No, uh, this, is, this is a different, different one, okay? Uh, Barak was a, here's the deal, he was a timid man who needed the encouragement of the only woman judge mentioned in the Bible named Deborah to light a fire under his faith. And uh, he did, but he said, I'll go as long as you go with me and protect me. (laughs) Uh, So Barak was kind of a timid man. um, And uh, yeah, they accomplished great things for the Lord, but, and a great victory was uh, took place because of him, but uh, but he was he was kind of a timid, a timid man. Then the the writer of Hebrews lists Samson, and of course most of us are very familiar with his story and story of a man who gave up his strength for a woman named Delilah. So he he instead of um, doing what was right and keeping his strength, he chose instead to. Um, compromise for a woman, and she was not a godly woman. Then, uh, then he mentions the fourth individual here, Jephthah. Jephthah grew up in less than ideal conditions as he was the son of a harlot. Uh, you can imagine uh, the type of uh, reputation he had because of that. Um, And he grew up to be a devoted and victorious man. He did, however, also make a very tragic vow. And uh, you can read more about it in Judges chapter 11. But uh, suffice to say, at the end of the day, this vow ended up costing his daughter's life. Um, And so for those who maybe don't have the best background and maybe has made a mistake, uh, probably shouldn't have made it a little hasty, uh, you can relate to Jephthah. Then he comes to a man that we all know a lot about. He lists the man called David. And again, we're all very pretty familiar with David's life and how he was the least in his family. He was the young shepherd boy, and yet he was chosen to be the second king of Israel. David probably is most known for in in culture as the man defeating a a giant by the name of Goliath with just a sling, a stone, and uh, most of all, the power of the Savior. David was hunted by Saul, and there were several close calls for his life. Eventually, David becomes the king, and God blesses his reign. That is, until one day when Israel went out to battle, and David decided to stay home and caught a glimpse of a neighbor woman bathing, committed adultery with her, and then later had her husband killed, all in order to try to cover his sin. And yet David wrote many of the psalms that we all love, and he is known as the man after God's own heart. 
And uh, he's mentioned here in Hebrews chapter number 11. And then finally, we have the last man mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is the man named Samuel. Samuel was a man who loved and served the Lord faithfully. If you remember, Samuel was the one who faithfully and courageously faced a rebellious king, Saul, to tell him that the days of his reign were numbered due to his disobedience. And so while he had a faithful and and dedicated life for the Lord, um, the truth of the matter is Samuel wasn't the best parent, he wasn't the best father, because his sons, according to the scriptures, turned aside after lucre, or in other words, they went after money and took bribes and perverted judgment, and were mentioned... Uh, this was an interesting thought to me. They were mentioned in the, in the reason that the elders of Israel as a reason that they wanted to be like other nations and have a king. They said, we want to be like other nations and have a king because your sons are acting this way. Interesting. So back here to verse number uh, 32 and, and, uh, and, and, and kind of bringing it back to this message here. The writer doesn't point to the negative things that I brought out this evening. He only mentions their names. So why am I shining the spotlight on the skeletons in their closet? Why am I pointing out their weaknesses? Look, even though these veterans of faith were far from perfect, and we can be honest about that, that's the reality. They were far from perfect. They were uh, very human with uh, difficult upbringings, with... Uh, past that uh, they probably didn't want mentioned here. (laughs) Um, Even though these veterans of faith were far from perfect, they still did indeed uh, choose to live by faith and are now recorded in the eternal word of God as ones who are remembered more for their faith than they are for their failures. And so here's the deal for all of us. Look, there's not a one among us who is perfect. Okay, if you are, I'd like to shake your hand afterwards. Um, but there's not. Uh, None of us are perfect, and we all have weaknesses. We all have skeletons in our closet. We all have things in our past that we're not proud of. We can either choose to dwell on our failures, or we can instead go forward by faith. What's it going to be? Warren Worsby said this, Do not say, Why were the former days better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rear view mirror. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. Yeah, we must learn from the past, but not live in the past. That's great advice. As we're driving home tonight from church, uh, I would recommend not looking in the rear view mirror the entire time. Sure, it's helpful to kind of see who's behind you and all of that. Uh, We need to glance there from time to time, but we don't need to dwell there. If you do that, that's a very dangerous uh, place to put your focus. Same thing in our lives as well. And and these men, they could have, um, you know, looked in their rearview mirror the entire time, but instead they chose uh, to move forward. I think about uh, in the Bible, John Mark, uh, the author of the gospel that we're going through on Sunday mornings, now the Bible records how he failed and quit the ministry for a bit when it got a little hot in the kitchen and he bailed on Paul and Barnabas there in the first missionary journey. And uh, he ended up going back to Jerusalem, back to mom's house, because he wanted to be back by mama. 
And uh, I can understand that, but, uh, but Paul was absolutely done with him for a while until by faith Mark proved himself to be profitable for the ministry. He chose not to live in the past and let that define him. Instead, he chose to move on and follow the Lord. Now tonight, you may have things in your past that the devil brings up with the intent to discourage you from living by faith. And here's the way the devil works. He's such a, he, he's, he's good at what he does. He will try to get us to fail and whisper in our ears and say, hey, why don't you just sin? Why don't you just disobey the Lord? You'd be, you'll be much better off for it. What a lie. He is a liar. The father of it, the Bible says. And so you go ahead and listen to him. And then, and then once you're done with that, then he says, well, now look what you've done. So he turns it and he puts it back in our face. Like, now you can't do anything for God. Now you're useless. Now God's going to put you on the shelf and you're not going to ever be able to uh, be used of the Lord in any way, shape, or form. Look at what you've done. And that's the way the devil works. So every time we give in to the devil, he, we give him more ammunition to use against us. So you don't want to keep arming him with more ammo, do you? Well, let's not sin in the first place. Um, but that's what he does. He does that. He brings up our past to try to discourage us from living for God in the present. Can I encourage you that whenever the devil reminds you of your past, to remind him of his future? Uh, one day, praise the Lord, he will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever, and he'll not be able to do that anymore to us. Uh, he will be banished forever and ever. But until then, just know that that's the way the devil works. In our lives. As we consider these veterans of faith, they were men who were men, just like you, just like me. Men who have things in their lives that they're not super proud of, things in their lives that they wish were different, but uh, that's just who they were. And uh, I know the, uh, the United States military is composed of individuals who are all different. Now, I know they try to make them all the same and say the same thing and walk the same way and look the same look, but they're all different. And the veterans that we have in our church who served in the armed forces, I know you. you you're just a real person just like me. Um, and uh, that means that the Lord can use you to be uh, a person of faith. So we look at the reality of these veterans, but then let's notice number two here, the results of these veterans. They chose to live by faith and be courageous. And as we consider those who volunteered for the military here in the United States of America, everyone when they enlisted, or as Brother Tom told me earlier today, he said, I didn't enlist, I didn't sign up for this thing, I got drafted. <laughs> um, but you still went. And that's right. That's your secret. <laughs> uh, they, everyone understood when they got in the military that uh, they very well may pay the ultimate price and give their lives to protect and serve this great nation. Many of them said, hey, if that's what it takes, I'm willing to do that. And I am so very thankful for that. Uh, Howard William Osterkamp was a Korean War veteran and a Purple Heart recipient who continued to fight for his country even after his leg was broken. He, was acknowledged, he, was, uh, he acknowledged the fortuitous fact that 
He made it out of Korea with his life, whereas approximately 36,574 soldiers did not. With the famous quote, all gave some and some gave all. Most of us are familiar with that. But he was the one who coined that phrase. Now, same story for these veterans of faith as well. Many got to see the Lord do great and mighty things through their faith in Him. Absolutely. Let's look at some of the things that they got to see the Lord use them do. In verse number 33, the Bible says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms. They brought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Can somebody tell me who might have stopped, who got to see God stop the mouth of lions? Who said Samson? And who said Daniel? Daniel. There we go. Okay. Um, and then verse 34, quench the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. That's a reference to both Elijah and Elisha. Both of them got to see that happen. So uh, these got to see the Lord do great and mighty things through their faith in Him. But others did not get to see the Lord do great and mighty things through them. Uh, look at, pick it up in verse 35 uh, after it, well, it says, re- Women receive their dead, raised to life again. And then it says, And others. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Uh, that's a reference, for reference, by the way, to Isaiah. <coughs> Excuse me. They, uh, many, many historians believe that Isaiah was actually cut in half. He was put into a hollow tree um, that was cut, cut down mostly, and he was put down into a hollow tree, and then they cut the tree in half with him in it. So they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. The Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in darkness, uh, deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So, yes, there were some that lived happily ever after, after their moment of faith. Some ended up giving up their lives. Think about the, uh, the 12 apostles. Uh, they were faithful. They wanted, after the resurrection, and they realized that Jesus had indeed ra- resurrected from the grave, they, they were faithful uh, to death. What happened to Simon Peter? Well, tradition says that Peter died in A.D. 64 or between 64 and 68 during Nero's persecution of the Christians, and he was crucified upside down on a cross. Andrew was crucified on a St. Andrew's cross. The cross had the shape of an X. Uh, Historians say he was not actually nailed to the cross, but he was tied to it, and it took several days before he died. But while he was hanging on the cross, he was was heard to have been preaching. (laughs) That's awesome. James, the son of Zebedee, James died in A.D. 44 after he was beheaded by King Nero. I'm sorry, King Herod in Acts chapter number 12, who had launched a new persecution of Christians. And he was the first martyr from among the 12 apostles. 
What about John, the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved? Uh, this was the only disciple who died a natural of natural causes. Uh, but this beloved John was in exile on the Isle of Patmos before he was released and went to Ephesus where he ended up dying. Philip died in uh, Hierapolis, Turkey by hanging. Bartholomew, it is believed that he ministered in Armenia and was flayed to death with knives in India. He was skinned alive. Matthew died a martyr's death in Ethiopia. Thomas, ancient tradition says that Thomas died near Madras, India, and he was killed with a spear. James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, tradition says that James was crucified in Lower Egypt and then sawed in pieces. Thaddeus was martyred in Persia. He died via arrows. Simon the Canaanite, or Simon the Zealot, tradition says that Simon was crucified and is believed that he and Thaddeus ministered together. What about the Apostle Paul? Well, he was beheaded in Rome. Not exactly the best advertisement for living by faith. <laughs> hey, if you live by faith, then you too could be mar martyred. Who's willing to sign up? We've got a sign-up sheet. We'll pass it around tonight. Who wants to sign up to live by faith? Not exactly the uh, nice, attractive, glossy brochure for following the Lord, is it? <laughs> that uh, you might end up having to give your life for the Lord. May the Lord grant us the same type of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. And if you would, just very quickly turn your Bible to Daniel chapter 3. <clears throat> if you're going to live for the Lord in 2021 and beyond, I believe we really need to have the faith that these three men had. Daniel chapter number 3, and most of us remember the fact that in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar erects this giant statue of himself. A little narcissist, don't you think? <laughs> uh, everybody needs to bow down to the statue of me. I mean, how self-serving can you get? And uh, the rule was, the law was, in that day, talk about a strange mandate, um, that at the time you hear all this music, everybody had to bow down to this golden statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, everybody was doing it, all except for three. Um, there were three who said, ain't no way am I going to actually bow to that idol. We're only going to bow to the Lord. And so in verse number 13, well, let's pick it up here in... Um, in verse number 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And here's their name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Well, then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do ye not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of all the music, and worship the image, uh, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast in the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So he kind of gave them one more chance. Like, maybe you didn't understand the whole rule, the whole decree, the whole mandate. And so we're going to give you one more chance. Well, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's the type of faith that we need to have as we live for God in this day and age. O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, We've got the conviction. We know exactly what we need to do here. Verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. So they had faith that God would deliver them, and they were going to do what was right, and they believed that God was going to protect them and bless them. But then in verse number 18, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They said, look, it doesn't matter whether we're rescued or not. If we end up dying in the fiery furnace, that's okay. That's not our preference. I mean, if you were to ask me, do you want to die or not die? Probably not die would be what I would select in that moment. But it doesn't matter if we do. We're still not going to bow. I don't know if it's going to come to that in my lifetime here in America. I hope not, but if the the things have changed pretty radically over the last couple years, and I've mentioned that from time to time here in America, it's possible. But regardless, here's the deal. We are going to serve the Lord. We, We need to have the faith that we're going to serve the Lord whether things go well for us or if they don't. A real veteran, a real good soldier in the United States military says, I'm going to serve whether I make it out or not. Now, I'm thankful for all those who have the bravery to do that. I did not personally serve. But as a servant of the Lord, which I hope all of us are tonight, I hope that we'll have that same thing. I'm going to serve whether I make it out alive or not. I want to please my, uh, I want to please my Lord who has chosen me to be a soldier. I want to be found faithful. I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. If, you know, I'm going to serve him if he blesses me with a lot of good blessings and if he doesn't. Because we see that these veterans of war, these veterans of faith here, I'm sorry, in, um, in Hebrews chapter 11, some of them made it out. And had great stories to tell their children and grandchildren. But others did not make it out. And died on the battlefield of faith. Um, All of us who are believers have enlisted in the battle. I hope all of us make it out with great stories to tell. But we may not. Things may go super well for us. And we may be blessed uh, big time here on this earth. And maybe we don't. 
But are you going to be faithful if things kind of start going not so good? I hope the answer is yes. Let me end this particular thought here with the words of our Savior when he said in Mark chapter 8, in verse 35 and 36, he said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. I'll serve the Lord, but, but so long as it doesn't cost me my life. Well, if you want to hang on to your life so much, Jesus says, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. And then Jesus says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I'm not talking about us losing our salvation tonight. The Bible says once saved, always saved, obviously. But are we more concerned about the earthly blessings than we are about the eternal reward that lies, that uh, is promised to all of us for those who are faithful? We talked about, and we shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall wear a crown. Are you concerned about getting something to give to the Lord that day? I hope so. I hope we're going to decide to be faithful. Jim Elliott, we were reading his story. He is known to say, and famous for this particular quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Very profound and uh, very prophetical in his life because he did give his life. Um, he can't keep his life, but he gained something that he'll never be able to lose. He gained uh, souls that would end up coming to Christ that are going to be applied to his account. He's going to, he, he has earned uh, and, and been an encouragement and inspiration to a multiple, countless people all over this world since his death. You can hold on to your life, but uh, you're going to miss out on getting something that you'll never be able to lose. So we see the results of these veterans. And then number three, and we'll end this message with this thought, the resources of these veterans. Going back to Hebrews chapter number 11, if you could, please. And verse, number, uh, verse number 39, the Bible says, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. In other words, they were willing to do all they did with just simply bits and pieces of truth. They had glimpses of what we have today. They, have, they had shadows, and we have the substance. They were, given a, they were given pieces of a puzzle, and they had to put them together without the full picture to use. And we have a lot more of the picture. Verse number 40, here's what it says for us. God having provided some better thing for us. See, look, we have the historical record of the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. All they had was the promise that he would come someday. We have the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, that recorded the life of the promised Messiah. All they had were small glimpses as to what he would do as promised in the prophets. And many of them didn't actually have the prophets written uh, during their life. Uh, we have the account that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again and lives today. 
All they had were promises that it would happen someday. We have the completed canon of the Scripture. We have the Old and New Testament. As New Testament believers, we have the Holy Spirit residing in each and every one of us. It was one thing for Jesus to come to this earth and be called Emmanuel, God with us. We as believers today, we have God, the Holy Spirit, in us. Not just with us, in us. That's, that's pretty special. Uh, we, have, um, we have the local church. Uh, these, these people didn't have a group of fellow believers that would encourage one another in the Lord. Look, we have been given much much more than these people were given, and they chose to live by faith in what was to come. We have uh, all the resources that they did not have. We have been given much. And what Jesus says, Jesus said this, For unto whom much is given, of him shall be much required. We, we live in a day where, you know, somebody didn't, say hi to me, somebody wasn't very nice to me at church, and we get all bent out of shape. And these people had so little, and yet, I mean, think about it. Enoch walked with God. He didn't have, he didn't have the, he didn't even have the first five books of the Bible. And you and I have all 66 books of the Bible. You and I have a local church. You and I have the Holy Spirit living inside. You and I have the knowledge that Jesus died, rose again, and uh, is coming back for us. You and I have all that. We have the full picture. We, Verse 40, God had providing, provided some better thing for us. How much more should we live by faith? How much more should we be faithful in times of adversity? What is our excuse for being so wimpy when it comes to our faithfulness? C.T. Studd once sarcastically described uh, wimpy Christians this way. He said, chocolate Christian. Dissolving in water and melting at the smell of fire. Sweeties they are. Bonbons. Lollipops. Living their lives on a glass dish or in a little cardboard box, each clad in his soft clothing, a little frilled white paper to preserve his dear, delicate, Little constitution. See, these are the mamby-pamby Christians who get bent out of shape over the littlest things. They're the first ones out of the kitchen when it starts getting a little warm because they can't take the heat. They start to melt because they're chocolate Christians. This type of soldier reminds me of the 22,000 soldiers with Gideon who went away because they were fearful and afraid. Chocolate Christians. Some examples of true Christian soldiers, Noah, who was willing to stand alone, Moses, Abraham, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which we mentioned a moment ago, who didn't melt even when the heat got seven times hotter. These men had courage and endured hardness. Look, Christian friend, we have been given so much. Let's decide to continue to run with patience the race that is set before us, choosing to uh, make sure that we have the right focus as well, that we're not being easily distracted, not being entangled again with the things of this world, that we may please Him who hath chosen us to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
There's a song that we oftentimes sing here at Cornerstone, I have decided to follow Jesus. But then those three next words in that song, no turning back. If you've been saved this evening, you and I have a responsibility to keep going, to never turn back. To never say, you know what, I quit. Those words should not be in a Christian's vocabulary. We should continue pressing forward and to run with patience the race that is set before us because of the resources that God has given us. He's given us His Word, the Holy Spirit. I've already mentioned These people were willing to live by faith with much less on the resources. God having provided some better thing for us. And he has provided that. So let's use that then to continue following the Lord and being faithful to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together tonight to look at this wonderful passage of Scripture. And I know there's a lot more that could be said about all of these verses. But but tonight, Lord, help us to remember that these veterans of faith were, were men they were human, just like us. They had things in their past. They had challenging upbringings. And Lord, uh, just like us, they had an opportunity to live by faith, and they chose to do so. Help us, Lord, to not let our past deter us from being faithful to you. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful. Um, Lord, it is required in stewards that a man be found not successful, not rich, not famous, but faithful. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. And Lord, we help us to be faithful even though the results may not turn out the way we would want them to. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of the sacrifice we may need to pay. And Lord, as we consider the sacrifice you made on the cross of Calvary for us, Lord, no sacrifice we could make here on this earth is, is too much. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to have a willingness to uh, sacrifice whatever is necessary to continue living by faith. And then, Lord, thank you for the resources you've given us, much more than these veterans of faith that were listed here. And so, Lord, help us to not uh, be chocolate Christians. Help us, Lord, to not be wimpy Christians, but to be strong and faithful uh, no matter what. And, uh, well, thank you for... All you do in our hearts and lives. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I think it'd be good for us to have a time of prayer tonight. Um, so go ahead and um, start playing if you would, Miss Pat. And as she does, I'll uh, be quiet and let you have a time of prayer there, a decision. And then uh, we'll sing uh, maybe a verse of this next song, Take My Life and Let It Be Here in a Moment. <laughs>